coin. It's Lee. You honor me with your presence, Crispy Lee. Pokemon is so tiny, it hurts so much. Ratsigler. He's usually stronger than the average, and has a friendly attitude. It's... Uh, slow back. We will not back down. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Throwback. I'm Chris Meany, joined by Jake Seeley and Brad Ziegler at Brad Ziegler at All In Kid at Chris Meany is where you can give us a follow on Twitter. Thanks for taking the time to hang out. Welcome to week two, the bloodbath edition. I could hardly even say it because there's so many injuries to talk about. There's a ton to unravel in today's show. So welcome again. Thanks for taking the time to hang out wherever it is that you are listening. iTunes, Spotify. I encourage everybody to check out theathletic.com slash the throwback that'll give you 40% off there's 70 plus podcasts that the athletic and more to come really at the athletic so even if you're not a podcast listener if you subscribe you can get jake's rankings updated detailed updated waiver wire column exclusive chats with some of the best in the industry we got the fantasy hockey draft guide launching this week and just all the goods from the athletic so again the athletic.com slash the throwback will give you 40 percent off let's get into it and jake i don't even really know where to start we will go <laughs> you know we will start at the top of course because there's some significant injuries really to to talk about here today um you know there's some running back by committees some cloudy decisions some things that are maybe clearing up a little bit and getting a little bit more confusing but we will start right up at the top and that's drew Brees. and if you didn't catch yesterday's game it wasn't as good as what we thought it was going to be between the rams and the saints and drew Brees was knocked out pretty early with a thumb injury and jake it doesn't look good um, getting an MRI, had to stay in LA yesterday to see a hand specialist. And, you know, when you hear him, I'm paraphrasing, he said he's concerned. So that means probably everybody else should be concerned if Drew Brees is concerned. And really just, I guess the big takeaway is what does it do to the rest of the weapons in New Orleans without Drew Brees? It's not good. <laughs> Honestly, look, this is something that people do every single year. And I want to caution people. You can't put too much into a game where the quarterback replaced the quarterback mid game. And yes, it was early. He Drew Brees has only attempted five passes, so it was 30 for Teddy Bridgewater. But at the same time, again, remember, it's the middle of the game. It's a change. The offense is built for Drew Brees. Obviously, Bridgewater is going to be running basically the Drew Brees offense, but they might do some tweaks for him. And again, it's the fact of, well, what is Teddy going to do going forward? Everybody's going to look at this and like, well, I targeted the hell out of Michael Thomas. Uh, Jared Cook was second behind him. Then nobody else saw three targets besides that. So maybe this is all good. And they just it concentrates our, our focus to Thomas and Cook. And we don't even think about the rest of Trey Kwan and Ted Ginn, who wasn't even involved. And, you know, now people are going to be like, well, what about Alvin Kamara? Because he only got three. And also some of it could have been against the Rams defense, who is a very stout front. And you want to try and get him into space. But again, I just don't want people to overact too much. We can make our best guess and look going forward for the few weeks. But what if Drew Brees is out for two or three weeks? They're not going to change the offense that much. If he's out for eight weeks, they'll probably make some tweaks. They'll put Sean Payton's going to tweak it a little bit to Teddy Bridgewater's strengths, which are a little bit different than Drew Brees' strengths. So I think going forward, at least you're not that concerned about Michael Thomas. Again, 13 targets, 10 receptions for 89 yards, and some of those were from Brees, but some, most of them for Bridgewater. Jared Cook was his own problem yet again, which is just – Funny oh, and fun. I just, I, I love it. Well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, Thanks the, for your two catches on seven targets. Dropasaurus yeah. is back, man. It's it's terrific. So uh, look, the fact is, you still like to see the seven targets, and this is why. If look, we've said it before. If you draft a Jared Cook, you just roll him out there every week because you have to. Otherwise, you're going to miss the good games and the bad games. Because right now, you want to bench him, and next week will probably be the game that he pops off because that's Jared Cook. 
Yeah, it's Sarah Cook. Brad, you know, I'll, I'll kind of switch this in a different way. We're going to talk about some buy lows and sell highs. Like, not too much into this show. We will obviously mention it. Some guys that, you know, we think that people should target, maybe, maybe just flat out drop. Uh, and again, just, you know, check out Jake's article. It's going to come out a little bit later on. But are you buying any of these? Like, because I'm right away, Brad, a couple people text me like, oh, great, Michael Thomas. Don't even want him anymore. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> if you could go and get Michael Thomas from somebody or Alvin Kamara, are you into that boat? Or are you a little bit afraid that this could be like a few week injury and you just not feeling Teddy Bridgewater? So this is I, I definitely think at least the way they're reacting, I think there's a really good chance Drew Brees goes on IR and, and we're looking at the eight game situation at, at a minimum. Um, at the same time, I'm, I'm inclined to wait one more week and wait and see, because if, if they go out and have basically have the same performance again next week, then it's my opportunity to really jump on the value of those guys. Because at that point, their owners are just going to be really frustrated. Michael Thomas, like it's hard to get mad at 10 catches and 89 yards. Like I realized he didn't score a touchdown, but that was, you know, like he's still getting the volume. He's not a big play guy. That's he's still getting the volume that, that you want to see. So if I, I would if I was a Michael Thomas owner, I would it would be crazy to, to drop him. Camaro's the guy that I would I would potentially look to target because he I mean he had 13 carries, 45 yards, didn't do anything on the ground, then but then wasn't getting the passing looks either. And if that's if that's even possibly something you could throw at the Camaro owner and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, almost like act like he, you're kind of doing a guy a favor and giving him a, a, a lower running back that's going to get more looks. I want to do anything I can to get Alvin Kamara on my team for the second half of the season when, you know, when Breeze comes back, assuming that it's not a season-long injury or anything like that. We've got Seattle next, Dallas, Tampa, which isn't a cakewalk, by the way. We'll get into the Buccaneers, but I, I think their defense is pretty underrated. Uh, Jake, I know you agree with that. And then week six in Jacksonville, week seven in Chicago. I mean, that's not – I'm sure Teddy no. Bridgewater, if, if it's that long that he's with the team for the next few weeks, but those aren't matchups where you're going to feel too great about Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas. Are, do you agree with that, though, Jake? Would you buy low on any of those two, or do you expect more work from Latavius Murray? Maybe they lean to the run game a little bit more? I mean, that's something we could probably assume because you say, hey, you don't want to put the ball in Teddy's hands as much as Drew Brees's. But at the same time, Latavius Murray was already a great value to begin with. I think this was a smart situation to buy low on Latavius Murray in general after this game because we knew you don't run up the teeth of the Rams defense because there's some amazing like once in a generation talent right there smack in the middle and why you don't run up the middle and Aaron Donald. So I think Latavius Murray is a nice buy low anyway, but I, I understand what Brad's saying completely. This is the, what I go back to is kind of like the David Montgomery situation. What we talked about last week is like, I'm willing to buy low now because mm-hmm. on the downside in a, di- it's a different reason, but for the same type of thought process. So like the David Montgomery was like, I'll be, I'm willing to buy w- low after week one, because after week two, it might be even lower and that'd be even better. But if he shows up big against the Broncos, it'd be like, well, your window was closed and it was against the Broncos. So you're done on the flip side. The same thing. Like if drew Brees, you're right. A hundred percent that if he's out for eight weeks or if he's even out for just four and next week they show up a bad performance, you're going to get all these players for cheaper. But if drew Brees is only out for two weeks and they somehow are competent next week, you're not going to even get a buy low. So it's kind of it's it, Brad's 100% right. It's just it's kind of what game do you want to play? Do you want to just buy low now or do you want to potentially get even better value and wait the week? I, I think it kind of depends on your roster. Yeah, for sure. I, I want Thomas like more so than Kamara. I'm willing to you know throw a few flyers out there and see what I can get. And we'll hear some news. You're listening to us on Monday, and you know maybe right when we're done the show, we'll hear news about <laughs> of Drew Brees. Unfortunately, that's usually how it happens. But no, you're going to hit publish, you... and we're going to hear it. 
Yeah, and and that's why you can always reach out to us on Twitter, ask any questions, and we will be back on Wednesday uh, to unravel all of this news because there is, like like I said, a lot to talk about here, especially from the quarterback position. We'll move over to Big Ben, who's dealing with an elbow injury and you know headed for an MRI, and there's some, some reports that he's likely going to need surgery. And what I've seen is that he wants to avoid it at all costs. So we see. We saw Mason Rudolph come in there. He played okay. I mean, he's 12 for 19, 112 yards, uh, two touchdowns, had a pick. Um, I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot of just – when it's looking at the Steelers, there's not a lot to like right now. I mean, Moncrief, we joked about him last week with drops. I think he's a complete drop. Um, we have Juju, who's been okay in the slot, but – if there's no big Ben, Jake, this isn't a win for anybody else in this offense either. And James Conner left yesterday's game with a knee injury. I haven't heard much about that, but, um, you know, it seems like at least I was just like precautionary that he left the game. It, it, hopefully, yeah. obviously that's going to be, and we can say pin that for a second and come back to it. But the Smith Schuster and this offensive Rudolph at quarterback, the biggest thing we got from when he came in was, Hey, look, Vance McDonald's alive. <laughs> Vance McDonald catches two yeah. touchdowns. And, you know, people are going to immediately go back to the crutch argument. It was, well, inexperienced, if I could get the word out, quarterback or rookie quarterback or whatever. They always fall down to the tight end, blah, blah. You know, that's the truth is this, the tight end absorbs a lot of where these safe passes are, like the slot receiver over the middle of the field, more space. That's why it's the tight end. It's not really the tight end position. It's the what the opportunities are for routes. So, yes, that looks good for Vance McDonald. And I was just – I'm in the middle of trying to update it because I was going to tweet it before the show, and I'm going to do it during the middle of the show now because I couldn't finish it as we were starting. And you pay but, attention during the show. Okay? I, I paid attention. <laughs> if you notice, I haven't missed a beat. Uh, just so that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> spurts here i was going to tweet out the six targets so smith schuster had eight yesterday six when rudolph came in the first was for 45 yards a reception the second was a reception for five yards the third was a reception for seven yards then incomplete 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 to finish the game not that great i mean the one play of 45 yards because well uh, real quick brad i was gonna say because people are gonna look at the box score and go oh well he had eight targets five receptions 84 yards six of those targets were with mason rudolph so maybe it's better well again it was one big play and then two small catches and three incompletions. So what were we going to say, Brad? Yeah, and, and go back to Vance McDonald. He had seven catches, but he had 38 yards. Like, it wasn't like they were right. like, catching him down the seam in the middle. Like, they were all, like, little dump-off passes. And that's the thing with Rudolph right now is that it's going to – it's going to take a bit for him to feel confident throwing the ball downfield like he did in college with James Washington, who who may be kind of a sneaky little play now because, they, you know, they definitely have a pass connection. He's Mason Rudolph is who made James Washington relevant in college. And so mm. it, it's very possible that he becomes somebody that Rudolph has confidence in, you know, peppers the ball his way a little more. Who knows? We, we have no idea how this is going to shake out, but the Steelers have, you know, a lot, you know, James Connors getting his knee looked at this morning too. This is not just a big Ben thing. Like they are in some serious hurt offensively right now. Uh, if Connors got any kind of knee damage and, and missing weeks also, and, you know, I almost kind of wonder if they don't think this is a potentially serious injury, uh, injury out of Connor because, they they're being very mum on this. It's you're not getting hardly anything what they suspect anything, and it makes me wonder if they think it might be an ACL or something where he'd miss the year. Yeah, or this it's is good news. <laughs> yeah, or it's good news. Uh, I'm hoping this is by no means. Uh, <laughs> this is by no means a victory lap. So sometimes people like to take them on this show, but you I did say that they were. No, it's not even about that. I said this team was one big Ben injury away from being awful, <laughs> and we may see how bad this team is. I mean, they started zero two. They didn't look good against Seattle at all yesterday. Even when Ben was in there playing, like it just they, their offense wasn't really flowing at all. You got Moncrief in there who was benched because of another drop. It hit him 
him right square in the forehead, like right in the helmet. <laughs> and there's just a lot. Like Connor plays 54% of the snaps. We got Jalen Samuels played 39% of the snaps. Benny Snell got in there 4%, only played two snaps. I mean, even the wide receivers. I mean, you mentioned James Washington. I think he is is somebody that you could still pick Almost up in, in leagues. Yeah, 60%. And then after that, it's just, you know, Deontay Johnson gets in there for 27. He had the one catch. It's not really a lot to like from Pittsburgh. So it gets the same question, Jake, that I asked earlier. Buying low on Juju, is this an opportunity to go get Juju? Because, yeah, maybe he won't be having those big yard games, but potentially in PPR leagues, he'll just rack up a few catches and you can just move on. Like, hopefully he gets you double-digit fantasy points. You just move on from that, or are you out on him? No, no, no. I would definitely buy low on him. And I say buy low because everybody's out there, you know, well, what's buy low? And, well, I'm not getting that trade off. But, like, the truth is, is there's people out there everywhere who are willing to pay certain things. I had somebody this morning. Hold on, let me let me find it because uh, like this one, I was just I, my response wanted to be like, "Are you dumb?" Like, so, hold on. All right, here. Would you trade Todd Gurley for Miles Sanders in a twelve-team PPR? That that's a legitimate question. I'm not trying to wow. be a jerk. Like, like yeah. this guy's obviously inexperienced. I'm just saying, like, you don't know what you're going to get out there. If you can get sure. Juju Smith-Schuster for somebody who's popped off the first two weeks, a low-end wide receiver two, an RB flex value, RB two, three, something like that. If you can't, absolutely, you buy low on Juju Smith-Schuster. If somebody's going to treat him close to what pre-draft value was, was like, okay, maybe not top 10, but like somebody still wants top 15 wide receiver value, that's not a big buy low. That's a slight buy low. And in that case, I'm like, you know what? No, I don't want the risk of, is it Mason Rudolph for multiple games? Is this offense going to go downhill and Juju Smith-Schuster can't handle being the number one, which was your concern going into the season? I don't want, that's not buying low to me. Like buying low needs to be a significant buy low. And if you can, I absolutely will, but not everybody's going to be able to, you know, get that offer that you, it all depends on what league you're in, who, if the owner wants to give him up or not. Yeah, and it wasn't even about Juju not. I mean, week one is week one. It was New England. They just shut down everybody. We know that. And it wasn't even about the top coverage. I just felt like he was going to need help. And and so far, he just hasn't gotten it from any of his other wide receivers. Brad, let's flip over to the running backs. I know you mentioned last week Jalen Samuels was somebody that you just throw out his name and somebody that you should probably pick up in deeper leagues. Maybe he'd be more involved. Is that the guy that you're going to grab if anything happens to Connor? And obviously, you probably should take a flyer on Benny Snell, too, is somebody who's going to get a little bit more work. Yeah, I don't I don't know that. I know they did it a couple times last year I don't know the Samuels is a guy that they see as being like a a you know workhorse running back for for the rest of the season if that ends up no. being the, the case with Connor so there there will be some splitting time here for sure and with that being you know it's still not a great offensive scenario if Mason Rudolph is the quarterback for the majority of that time either so I I don't know I I like Samuels but I liked him a whole lot better if if Connor went down and Big Ben was still the quarterback because I I think there would there would at least be some some passing threat to take some heat off him as a running back. Um, he's going to, you know, he can catch passes out of the backfield. It's not even that. It's just the the concept of like, I don't know that this offense is going to do a whole lot while, while Mason Rudolph is quarterback. Now he, I will say this, he did throw the ball deep a few times, which you don't often see sometimes out of a young quarterback. A lot of times you see guys with like 17 completions and 120 yards, you know, that, that kind of game line, his, his wasn't that way. He was throwing the ball deep. He, and even if they weren't completed, it was just the fact that he was taking chances that at least has a defense has to honor that because they do have some, some deep threats at wide receiver. So um, there is a well, chance. Three of his, I, I just, that was three of his I, five I, passes. So the, yeah. so the first one was the 45 yard completion and then two incomplete. Like, so he, the only two receptions he had besides I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster and your point about Mason sure. Rudolph is it was the catch for five and the catch for seven. That's obviously not throwing deep. The one for 45 was the one that kicked things off. The two incompletions were deep down the field. So there yeah, you go. Bombs. To your point, yeah. he, te- he tried it three times. The problem is he only accept, you know, succeeded once. 
Right. And he tried it with James Washington also. He threw a long one to Washington that um, ended up going out. Of, I think it went out of bounds or something. It wasn't, ended up not being catchable. But it was just the fact that he was trying. It gave, gave me at least hope that it's not one of these scenarios like, uh, you know, if Nathan Peterman comes in for the Raiders, you're not going to see a pass <laughs> further than 10 yards downfield at any point in the game. So it, it's a, there's at least a, a chance there. And, and, and granted, like right now, the way they're playing, they're probably going to be playing from behind. There, there is potential garbage time upside for for this offense too if they're facing prevent defenses in the fourth quarter because they're they're down by so much. It's only been two weeks, and <laughs> it just seems like Baltimore's division to lose at this point. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to the Ravens in just a little bit. I want to talk about Thursday night first since we're still on quarterbacks here and Cam Newton. I mean, you could have left, you could have woke up Friday morning as a Cam owner and be like, "Screw it, I'm done with them. I'm absolutely dropping him." And all of a sudden, like Drew Brees owners needs a quarterback, Big Ben owners they need a quarterback. <laughs> so like, you could be scrambling for the waiver wire. Maybe you just keep Cam Newton. I don't know. I wanted to just bring him up with you guys because I don't think he's healthy at all. And if you watched the Thursday night game and you came away from that and still thinking he's healthy, I don't know what the heck you're watching because what we know about Cam and what we loved about Cam is the fact that he runs around and he, he creates things with his legs. And that's why we love him from a fantasy standpoint. Well, there was a few plays in that game Thursday night where you could just tell that he's just not healthy. He's not calling his own number. He was running to the sidelines on one play where he thought he could get there and he couldn't, he threw it away. And then he came up lame. Like this is somebody who has five rushing attempts and negative two yards. And he was very, very inaccurate Thursday night, 25 for 51 and talking to Pat Mayo on Friday, he says, well, I don't know. I, I Maybe I like it if Cam's going to throw the ball 50-plus times. I love it. Me, I don't agree. I think it's good for his weapons and Samuel and DJ Moore. Like, those guys were players. They caught a lot of passes. But, Jake, like, if you're a Cam Newton owner, you can't feel good about what you've seen over the first two weeks of the season. No, because if you're a Cam Newton owner, I want you to do one thing. I want you to strip the name off the jersey, and I want you to put this name on the back. Joe Flacco. That's who he is now. It's the truth. Yeah, that he he's run, just, that's who he is. That is right. I just, I just, I just throw up. Can't run. Six point <laughs> five yards per uh, actually reception. And now that like, you talk about the attempt, six point five. Like that's the six point five per attempt is Joe Flacco numbers. That's who he is. He can't throw it, like, as you said. You know, I, I'm not. This isn't to like oh pimp my podcast or anything like this. But you know, I, I talk about the fact before. Pimp it. No, well, no. It's just there's a reason. Like so, back when uh, I had uh, Mike Robinson on from the Seahawks, when the NFL Network would run the reasons I had him on was when I met him. I was talking about something he put out a video of, and he was talking about Cam Newton's adjusted throwing motion in the off season. And his big thing was that's not going to carry over because you can't fix somebody this late into their career. It's similar, to, like just look at the beginning of Tim Tebow's career when they tried to fix his. How many times did they try to fix Tim Tebow's throwing motion every year for like four straight years? And his point was not only that you can't fix it at this point because the whole point was he was throwing it more compact to keep himself more protected. It wasn't even to try and get more zip or anything like that, but the throwing on top of it was also, he's not a big thrower anymore. He's having struggle. He's struggling downfield. So it's all these throwing issues. And he was just completely off of him for this. He was like, I don't know that I like Cam Newton as the player, as the quarterback anymore. And he was right. I, I had more positivity. I was like, you know what? Even if he's throwing a little bit more short game, as long as he's healthy, but to your point, I don't know that he is. I don't know if he's 100%. He's even no if, way he's healthy. Yeah, well, so uh, this is what I'm going to say is even if – and maybe Brad can speak more to this, obviously, as a pitcher and, like, the the athlete of us, is even if he's, quote, unquote, 100% as he's, he's not nursing an injury, is that the arm and the shoulder aren't where it's ever going to be again. Like, it's never – while it's 100%, it's 100% of what 100% now is. It's not 100% right. of what it used to be. And sure. that's my concern, and that's why I said he's Joe Flacco now. 
And one of the concerns for me is is he he brought it up in his post game press conference wearing whatever he was wearing that night. But he he <laughs> there's not enough time in the day to figure out what he, he was wearing. He brought up his foot also, and that that's what concerned me the most because the foot affects the running the running side of it, but it also affects his throwing. Like he can't throw, he can't no matter right. what kind of throwing motion changes he wants to make, if his feet are hurting, it's going to he's, he's going to favor it. It's going to change. He's not going to put the same zip on it. I'll tell you who, like, it, even as bad as he was, DJ Moore, Greg Olson, and Curtis Samuel all had good nights fantasy-wise. Christian McCaffrey is the one that concerns me the most in this because they are going, I think teams going forward are going to make Cam beat them. They they are they are seeing what everybody else is seeing and say, you know what, he's not the same guy. We are going to force him to beat us and not let McCaffrey go off like he did in week one and keep him in a game against a, a good team in the, the Rams. They're, they're going to see a bunch of stacked fronts and and do everything they can to take McCaffrey out of the game game flow and that's that's a bigger concern for me. I own him in a lot of leagues. I was very high on him this year. Um and and obviously in week 1, you know, you love seeing that volume and then week 2 happens and it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter how good a guy is if if there are basically two guys shadowing him all over the field, he's not going to get a lot of play. Yeah, I mean, if you're a DJ Moore owner and a Curtis Samuel owner, I mean, you have to be at least be happy the fact that, hey, maybe you're just going to get a few targets. I mean, Moore, 14 targets. Second among wideouts, he had nine catches. Samuel, only five catches, but 13 targets. He was third among wide receivers. But I didn't know what the heck I was watching on Thursday night. Like, <clears throat> at the end of the game, <laughs> wh- what was that play? Like, if you're fourth and one with the game on the line and you're not going to do a quarterback sneak with Cam? Like, is that is, is it because of his shoulder? Like, why are you giving that to McCaffrey and running a trip pl- trick play on the side like that? It just didn't make any sense, and that also makes me think that he's not healthy. There were a couple plays in that game, Jake, where the old Cam would have easily got that one yard, like, and they're not even giving him the ball. The old Cam would have, like I said, averaged more than 6.5, and what's crazy about it is a 6.5 with Olsen and Samuel averaging 18 yards per catch in that game. So, like, the, the, the truth is, is, like, some of these plays, and if you look at it, too, the, some of the plays are coming after the catch, which is great for the team, but at the same time, if, you know, we talk about now a dot of the past years and, you know, yards per route run and all these things, and you turn back to the quarterback with the a dot and all this type of stuff is like, it's concerning you. If you're attempting 51 passes and you're yeah. completing at least half of them, 333 is actually a little bit low. And that's the truth. So like, the biggest concern here is not even just all that is how many touchdowns did he have? Zero. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. And he hasn't, th- it's like five straight games. Now he hasn't thrown. I-, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't start him. Like I, I understand with all the quarterback injuries that are happening. I, maybe you don't drop him. I don't like to carry two. You might have to at this point with all these injuries, but well, I'll tell you this. I'm not starting cam. Absolutely not. No I, chance. So I said this going into the weekend. Um, somebody was like, I have cam Newton and you know, Kyler Murray's facing the Ravens. And he's like, I need to make a roster, blah, blah, blah. Swap it. Like whatever. Should I drop Kyler Murray for whatever? I said, no. Cause at this point, even if they were facing the Ravens again next week, I'm starting Kyler Murray ahead of cam Newton for the rest of the season until I see something change because I don't, I think cam Newton might be done. Yeah, I think he may be done too. And my my fear was the shoulder. I didn't know how much he would run around because he's taken so many shots over the years that I thought they would just try to be safe with him and throw the ball. But now it's the foot on top of that, which makes me think he can't even run. So it remains to be seen if he's going to be able to turn around, but it does not look good. You mentioned Murray. I mean, I thought he held his own yesterday in Baltimore, 25 for 40, 349 yards. Didn't turn the ball over. I know he didn't throw <laughs> His receiving touchdowns. numbers saved his day, not the rushing numbers, which is the surprising right. thing. Which was a surprising thing, but he could potentially be available in your leagues. We have Josh Allen, who, you know, quarterback 12, he's still 
Uh, 40% ownership in Yahoo. Not sure what's going on there. We've been talking about him for like three months on this show. Um, Jimmy G, quarterback 16, available. Case Keenum, quarterback 6. Got the Giants week 4, Miami week 6. I know it's not great, but we're, we're trying to help people out here on the waiver wire. And then there's Andy Dalton, quarterback 10 on the year. And again, his his two big weapons came away with some pretty big games in John Brown and Tyler Boyd. Uh, both, you know, top wide receivers again this week. So no Gardner I guess, Minshew. Jake, I know you're good. Sure, there's a couple other. I mean, we can go a little bit <laughs> yeah, deeper. I mean, Joe, Jacoby Brissett <laughs> also is another guy. Cam Newton is. Sure, we're yeah. Two, uh, we're two weeks away from bye weeks starting, too. And this, you know, on top of the injuries, then you're going to start losing quarterbacks just because they don't play. And so it, it is a time to start looking for these deeper guys because it's like, shoot, who does have a good matchup in week four when Mike's starting quarterback might have a bye or whatever? Because it, it's it's going to become relevant pretty soon. And, and you know, you just kind of hope, you know, we all hope, that none of these injuries are serious and that these guys are back on the field sooner or later, but you have to kind of play in worst case scenario right now, because it's like, look, if, if my quarterback's got an early bye week, I got to start looking at a matchup now because pretty soon there's not going to be anybody available because hey. these guys are dropping like flies. You know, how had more points than Drew Brees, Josh Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> it just broke yeah. right now. Drew Brees is expected to undergo thumb surgery as early as today. And that would be expected to sign light him about six weeks. Yeah, that so. is that's that's a big loss for the Saints. That's a huge wait loss one, for the wait Saints. Wait one more week and then go after Alvin Kamara. That's my that's my advice. That's so gross. That is gross. Yeah, it's it's um, it's not what you want to hear at all. Uh, a lot of us obviously thought the Saints would have a legitimate chance at you know at least getting to the Super Bowl. Another screwed. They got screwed yesterday again. By the way, who? Um, the Saints with the the penalties like that. Uh, oh, the rest don't have no idea what they were doing in the Saints game. Nah, every the, single time the they the play. Footlocker comment was awesome. Cam Jordan was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great and uh, and warranted for sure. Ah, there's so much to unravel. And Carson Wentz left the game yesterday. It looked like he, it was going to be three legit quarterbacks that were going to you know be out long term. And Wentz seemed to be fine, but he was in the tent like numerous times yesterday. Um, you know, really where to go next is, is unbelievable here. But before we move on from the quarterbacks, Jake, like, who's the guy? I know Allen, like, for sure. If anybody's listening, they have Allen. You, you may have even started him this week in that great matchup, and hopefully you did. But anywhere else, like, are you intrigued with Jimmy G, the, the game that he had? Or is it more against the Bengals? Like, he was at least hitting some of his wide receivers a little bit more. Bengals as, defense just, sucks. Just <laughs> uh, yeah, they are who we thought they are. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, not I'm fair. not jumping all over Jimmy G yet, but, I mean, like, those are the options that are probably out there in most leagues because the average league out there, there's a lot of owners that own two quarterbacks. I mean, my home league, there's people with two quarterbacks despite they come to the draft of my rankings and, like, listen to, like, all these people that listen to me are friends with me, and they're rostering two quarterbacks, and they're rostering two quarterbacks. Like, their second quarterback is Jameis Winston. It's like, when are you ever going to start Jameis Winston? There's a dude who, like, dropped Russell Wilson for Tom Brady and then turned around and picked Russell Wilson back up. Like, it's just, like, those are look you're going to see in your average league. So your average league is you're going to have to go past even Josh Allen to get to, as you said, people that are likely unowned. So Jimmy Garoppolo might actually be the best one out there. Uh, obviously that game, which whenever we talked about for a whole nother reason is going to make you bang yourself against bang your head against the wall, bang yourself against the wall. It's a little bit different <laughs> banging your head against the wall. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo might be, uh, you know, look, the truth is the only concern I have for him is we've seen him put up numbers before is the touchdowns, the conversions. And if he's not playing the Bengals, are we going to see a lot of more like 275, 300 yards with one touchdown? He's going to get Pittsburgh this week and then he's going to go on the bye. So really he's not going to help you uh, all that much over the next couple weeks. So you just yeah, want to so. tease everybody is what you're saying. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways that you can go. Obviously, I, I think mean, Andy Howard, Dalton might Howard be available. available if they're going to continually let up scores. He's going to have to keep passing every single week. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He's got over 700 yards, four four touchdowns. I mean, he does have a very tough matchup this week in Buffalo. I I wouldn't I wouldn't think about starting him in Buffalo, but you know, there's some options, I guess. Uh, some yeah, speaking of matchups, don't pick up Marcus Mariota. He's, this is Thursday night in Jacksonville. Then he's got Atlanta, but then he's got Buffalo and Denver. So just don't even forget about it yeah for for those play who play in survivor <laughs> leagues too like that's a that's a red flag in my opinion thursday night games division games you just boom like there was like a lot of people who were on carolina this week and another you know division game houston almost lost to i already told you people. what the solution was chris stay you away saw from I yeah, it out always yeah. just pick against miami. <laughs> miami and then you figure out four um, other weeks the end yeah what a joke okay let's continue on with some of the injuries i mean if you have patrick mahomes you're sitting here listening i win every week i had mahomes last year i won every single week it doesn't matter what the rest of my team does like they all could suck and patrick mahomes just continues to set records i mean 278 yards and on 13 completions and four touchdowns in the second quarter alone yesterday is unbelievable so i don't know jake is do we have to start changing our tune with him like hey if you want to draft patrick mahomes at the end of the first early second go ahead just get it done like i know it's not the right thing to do but if you have Mahomes like is he just the rare exception no he he's it is just, he's so unbelievable was, well, was I say, it, it's not the right thing to do because you preach your weight on quarterbacks and the good thing is so it's still not the right thing to do because most people out there you still were getting him in the third round like even the aggressive people that's when people started considering yes. maybe it's the end of the second so that as of today Here's the same thing. Even spending the second round pick, most of the time is not the right thing to do. But what do we keep saying? I'm not saying I was the only I'm saying we as a collective, as the fantasy industry, everybody on the show, we're saying the reason it's not the right move, but it could be the right move, is he needs to repeat last year. If he repeats last year, it's the right move. That's the same thing about taking Kelsey in the first year. If he repeats last year, it's the right move. The whole point of why it might not be is because you have to have that. You're absorbing all of the risk. NFL history tells you regression is going to come, and it doesn't have to be significant. We've talked about it before in the show. It could be 10%, and now Patrick Mahomes is a third-round pick. Travis Kelsey is a late second-round pick. It's just a mild regression is pointing to that. But as it looks so far, it's only been two games. One of them is against the Raiders' defense. It looks like it's fine. So if you spent that second-rounder on him, it might be okay. And if he's going to put up these numbers, if he repeats last year, next year, there's going to be people that are going to say, you know what, if you want to take him in the second round, that's fine by me. Yeah, and, and right now, I mean, I'm there's no bigger Pat, Patrick Mahomes fan than me, but at the same time, he's still, at this point, as good as he's been, he is still the number three fantasy quarterback right now behind Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott, there who you go. could have gotten eight rounds oh, later. Yeah. So it, it's, it, and I'm not, who knows how this, I, I have a lot more confidence in Mahomes projecting out the whole, the whole season than I do on the other two. Although I love Lamar Jackson. I still think Prescott's not going to be this guy the, the rest of the year. Um, at the same time that okay. Dallas do you remember a, when I said, I didn't talk- like my project. Did you remember when I said, I didn't like that my projections sped out Lamar Jackson is number five. Maybe I should have listened to my projections. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, he, he, what's funny is he did it passing the first week. He did it running yesterday and he still had, <laughs> he was still really good passing yesterday. But it was when you run for 120 yards as a quarterback. That's almost kind of not fair because you're you're getting an RB one third leading rusher quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So and he, but it's it was that was what impressed me the most is that was in a close game. That game was close the whole time, and he made a throw to Marquise Brown at the end of that game to basically ice the game. That was unbelievable. Third and eleven, dropped it over his back shoulder down the sideline. It was a tremendous throw. 
And he also missed some throws. There's still room for improvement there. He missed Mark Andrews a couple times. As, as often as he has hit Mark Andrews, he missed at least two huge plays for Mark Andrews yesterday that might have added another 100 yards to Mark Andrews' day um, if he hits it. So there is still room for improvement, and he's still this good already. Um, you know, we talked about with, with Prescott with, with the, the, the Cowboys had a really easy schedule to begin the season and how that might affect the running backs. If Zeke was going to hold out, then, you know, Tony Pollard might be a top, top 10 play the first four weeks of the year because of their schedule. That's, you know, Dak is going to thrive against those teams. He's 51 out of 62 right now, which is an insane completion percentage. There's no way that holds up on the year. If, if you have Prescott to me, th- these next couple weeks are the perfect time to start him, get those points out of him. And then after week four, when their schedule gets a little tougher, that's when you try to trade him and max value for him. Yeah, I mean, I did, we love the division he plays. And obviously, um, you know, heading in, I think he had 13 touchdowns in his last four games against the division. And he had another bomb game yesterday. And he's got Miami this week. So if you have Dak, you just, you know, you just hang on to him. Lamar and uh, Mahomes this week, which should be very, very interesting. That'll be uh, well, should be TV. thirteen to ten. Yeah, it, it <laughs> might be. It, I mean, the, the, at least the Ravens' defense, you could see that was. I mean, it was one of the games of the year last year when when um, Baltimore came in. Jackson had only been starting a couple games at that point, and and the Chiefs basically won it on a fourth and ten amazing throw by Mahomes down the field to Tyreek Hill. That was the only reason they even were were able to send that game to overtime. So it could be an incredible game. Baltimore's defense is not any worse than they were last year. And and that to me is, you know, I know I'm a Chiefs fan, but like you, I, these are the two teams I picked to be in the AFC championship. And this is like, I want to see this matchup. I want to see where we're at right now, especially with Tyreek Hill off the field. Can, can Kansas City keep moving the ball without him there? Because they struggled at times yesterday, especially early in that game. And and then all of a sudden the second quarter opened up and and the game was over at that point. Yeah, it, Lamar Jackson looking like a fantasy steal, looking like a real-life steal in, in the NFL draft from the Ravens. And I agree, just going to continue to improve. What he's doing so far is, is unbelievable. It hasn't even, like, started over a full course of his season, really. So he's only had, like, double-digit starts. Uh, and I, I was encouraged case? with Brown. 13 targets, 8 catches. Yeah, we'll, we'll continue with the Chiefs. I mean, we're, we're talking about them right now, and there's a lot to unravel with this team. Damian Williams, knee injury, leaves LaShawn McCoy, ankle injury late in that game, left. Uh, Shady out-touched him. I mean, 14 touches, Damian Williams had Thompson time. Yeah, that, Thompson that changed time, after perhaps. Williams got hurt, though. I will say that. Williams was leading he, in touches while he was playing. He was, but he wasn't doing anything. I mean, 8, eight yards. Well, no, yards. and they, they lost. So they, they had their left tackle um, – was hurt in this week in practice they they made him active and literally on like the third play of the game he re-injured his groin and and that could that completely changed the the Chiefs offensive structure they couldn't run the ball at all um and and so it it was at at any point it was all Mahomes and and they may not Jake they may not just run the ball like if Mahomes is going to throw the ball 40 plus times I mean he could hit anybody you or Brad you mentioned you know the weapons and stuff but I mean Demarcus Robinson Hardman was great. Like, yeah, and Hardman had a seventy-three yard. They're startable. Back that, yeah, that they're, those guys are startable. Go- Jake is Demarcus Robinson a borderline flex play for sure in this offense? Is he not? Well, like- so the, the truth is about Demarcus Robinson. We talked about it last week. Is we've been waiting for this. He's got this. It's the three S's: the size, speed, strength combination. And you've been waiting for him to take the opportunity and seize it. And there's there's two ways to look at it here. Is one is you know he finally has it's you know but is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it the Raiders defense? He was six of six on targets and receptions, and obviously 172 yards and two touchdowns. You're not going to scoff at that. 
I'm just willing to pause a little bit and still realize that no matter what, whoever it is, Hardman or Robinson, is going to be the third option in the passing game behind Kelsey and Watkins. So let's, you know, remember that. And again, you go back to Mahomes, but every week is not going to be facing the Raiders. They're going to be tougher games. The one good thing is if I'm looking at McCole Hardman versus Demarcus Robinson and why I'm going to go after Robinson is because of the snaps. He was in there for six, 13, 13 more snaps than Hardman was. He's the, so he's that option. He's the big play outside option. He's the red zone presence. That's what you want to see. Hardman still needs to be picked up. He probably was in a lot of leagues last week. And in fact, he was picked up in more than Robinson. But going forward, as of right now, I would take Robinson, but it's not a huge margin. I think both of them need to be owned. I would just expect more Deshaun Jackson from McCole Hardman and more reliability from DeMarcus Robinson. But the reliability that you get might include 40-yard you know, games instead of like where Hardman might be kept off the scoreboard. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting because Demarcus Robinson, his you know so far in his whole career when he's played, has been a big play threat. He's, they throw the ball down the field to him. He is They have complete confidence in him making contested catches, which one of his touchdowns yesterday was wide open, but the other one was a contested catch in the end zone. Um, and so it was, it was just kind of one-on-one coverage. I'm going to let my man go get it. McCole Hardman is a guy that they will... I, you're not going to be able to make those same plays against the Ravens. We talked about that. You mentioned it a second ago. McCole Hartman is a guy that they will create stuff for underneath, R- run him in motion in the backfield, try to find touches for him. And like I said, if he, if he, if that 73 yard touchdown yesterday is not called back and he has five catches for 134 yards and two touchdowns, everybody's tune on him changes today because it's all of a sudden him and Demarcus Robinson are both there and Sammy Watkins still out targeted both those guys. He just didn't, you know, he had six catches for 49 yards but he was being blanketed pretty good um, by the Raiders. They were they were trying to take him out of the game, it looked like. And it just, I, you know, I had mentioned before the week, Kelsey is still the guy. Kelsey is going to be the guy. It doesn't matter if Tyree Kill's on the field or not. Kelsey is still the guy because you there isn't, they have to cover him with a cornerback if they're going to cover him. And, and no team can do that with the wide receivers that the Chiefs have as fast as they are. So this, it will be interesting this week because I could see this being a game where Mahomes throws actually even more than the 44 attempts he has this week just to try to stay in this game because the Ravens are a good team and the Chiefs are not going to be able to run the ball on him, especially if, if Williams and McCoy are out. I mean, Daryl, Daryl Williams was the guy that came in yesterday and got those carries. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't Darwin Thompson. Thompson, I think, will have a third down role in the scenario that both those guys potentially miss this week. But but I don't think Darwin Thompson is going to be the main guy in the backfield. I do think it'll be Daryl Williams. How do you see it playing out, Jake? Uh, well, I don't know, because we didn't get anything from Daryl Williams. He didn't even have a carry. No, he was, just, but He's that was who was in more. the game. They were just they they didn't they didn't really do anything. Darwin Thompson, right. his carry was or, or, you know fourth quarter like on a third and third and five, and they're just trying not to run the score up at that point. So um, it was the I Chiefs think just, were still passing when they were up eighteen. No, so in the well I'll say this: game. I think it's going to be exactly what we saw. I think that this is again the first time. If both, I guess we're assuming that for this argument that Damian and Lashawn McCoy are both out, I think sure. it was the same thing we said last week. Is this is a new Andy Reid offense where there isn't somebody he relies on the majority of the time. And Daryl Williams is going to be LeSean McCoy, and Darwin Thompson is going to be Damian Williams. And if you gave me those two roles, I'm going to take the pass catching option. This is the joke tweet I put out yesterday where I said they don't need to run the ball anymore, and that's fine because Damian Williams will have his value in the passing game. It still is an RB2. And for going forward, I would want Darwin Thompson because he'll be in that Damian Williams role. Assuming, again, we got to assume that both are sidelined. 
Both are out, yeah, because yeah, Thompson will be the pass catching back, and then Daryl Daryl Williams, his vo- his goal is going to become inside the five yard line. Um, that's that's where his value will be. Where if you're going to roster him in fantasy and start him, it's gonna you're you're touchdown dependent at that point, and and that's you know it's not a very comfortable place to be, especially against the Ravens defense. What a wild week! I mean, I'm just looking at the top 13 wide receivers for week two, and I've I've already told you, Demarcus Robinson, wide receiver one. Um, <laughs> can I t- know, can Nelson I take a Aguilar, victory lap on one of five. them? John Ross, wide receiver seven, Samuel eight, uh, Devin Smith nine, Hardman in there at thirteen, Terry McLaurin is in there at fifteen, DJ Tark. Like there's some guys in here that were not only picked up last week and we're good again this week, but some other options out there as well. Who do you want to take a victory lap on? On all the people like, I can't believe you're gonna rank Antonio Brown in the top twenty. You're really gonna start him in his first game with the Patriots and not knowing the playbook and blah blah blah. Shut the hell up. Yes, well, they only went to him the first four <laughs> throws, I think. Because that's Brady. what the Patriots do. If it was any other team, and the truth, like, look, let's look at the snap count. The snap count wasn't there. He was what third or fourth? 24, 24 of seventy-one. Yeah. yeah, but if there's any team that's going to come out and be like, "Screw you guys, we're going to get this amazing weapon that we brought in and use him more than you think we're going to, and not even we're going to make a point of doing it early." Like, come on, it's the Patriots. Well, not, so that's the thing. not only that, but there's a chance he ends up on the commissioner exemplus this week, and that may have been the only game they get out of him. So <laughs> why not use him? <laughs> so what, what are you doing with him? You just hang on to him? I mean, like uh, somebody asked me the other day, would you trade him for Odell Beckham Jr.? I said, oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. If you get top, if you get top ten wide receiver, you get out of it and you avoid the risk. But at the same time, I'm not selling them for low because it's the upside of Antonio Brown, and that's the truth of it. And that's what my point was. It's like it's the Ezekiel Elliott the first game after missing the entire preseason. The question I brought back to people, and this is a joking aside, this is a lesson for everybody out there, is if you want to put somebody on your bench, let's say they get 70 yards and a touchdown, or what Antonio Brown get 56 and a touchdown. You see that on your bench. Are you going to be okay with that come Monday? And that's what you have to ask yourself is like the fact that you're benching somebody of that talent is, are you going to be okay if that's what he does on your bench? If you're fine with that and you're fine with who you put in the lineup for him and you're going to say, all right, well, you know, it's fine. I started, I don't know, like uh, Robert Woods and I'm okay that Robert Woods had a small, slow game because I just trusted Robert Woods. If you're okay with that, then you're okay with that, but I'm not, I'm going to start the Antonio Browns and the Zeke Elias and I'm going to start those guys because I don't want to see that happen on my bench. Yeah, it's. I agree. It's disgusting. I, I, I don't have a lot of shares of AB, but I, I started him, and I would have been bummed if I didn't start him. Say I started Mike Williams over, or, or Mike Evans. Who do you want more, Mike Evans or Antonio Brown? Chris Godwin. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> I'm buying low on Mike. That's obvious. I'm buying low on Mike Evans everywhere possible. I, the, the truth is, though, the only reason I would say as of today Mike Evans is because I don't know if Antonio Brown is going to miss games. If Antonio Brown is definitely not missing games, I'm taking Antonio Brown every time. Brad. Um, OJ Howard, would you keep him? Uh, yeah, you have to because you're not. I mean, your only option at this point is dropping him. No one's going to trade for him. So I, I feel like it, it, it's, it was almost one of those situations where you kind of feel like they go back at the end of the game and they look and be like, wow, really? OJ Howard didn't have any targets. And then, of course, Bruce, James didn't even look his way once. Yeah, Bruce Arians, <laughs> uh, of course, he didn't run say that, that many routes. Play better. Like, yeah, it, that's the thing. He was not even, he was only had 20 something routes out of the 40 some passing plays. So, you know, it, it, it's I. I'm hanging on to him. I'm still going to start him because I feel like at some well, point they're going to realize how big of a weapon he is, and it's like they haven't figured it out yet. It's also the 60s. I want to. You said with the passing plays. I want to point out is he had 60 snaps. The only people that had more snaps than he did were Chris Godwin and Jameis Winston. He actually had one more snap than Mike Evans. You just you said it. Yeah. It was what was it 23 or whatever. It was less than 25. 
even if yeah, it was 25 like three routes run on like 40 some pass it, plays uh no 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 i want to that was i was gonna say hold on i don't want to talk about the pass plays i want to talk about the snaps i want to say that that's my point is for about 40 percent of the time on the field he's running routes that's awful that's god awful that's a tight end that you don't want in general because the biggest argument for vance mcdonald has always been like well he's not on the field but he's only on the field 60 percent of the snaps well that's okay because 90 percent, and that's not an exaggeration like 90 percent of the time he's running a route when you have only 40% of the time you're running routes, you are a blocking tight end. And that's the problem is Bruce Arians turned OJ Howard into a freaking blocking tight end. And we can say we should have listened to the narrative that Arians hates tight ends, but maybe it's true. And because OJ Howard is such a good pass blocker, this is what's going to happen. And if he's even, even 50, 50, is a concern of OJ Howard going forward. But I'm with Brad. He's like, you can't drop him because he's OJ Howard. Somebody's going to go pick him up for free. You just have to hope and pray he scores a touchdown or has a somewhat decent game in week three to just turn around. And if that happens, sell him immediately. I mean, would you start him this week against the Giants? <laughs> well, yes, because such he's a good the spot. Giants. I know, but he's, but if he's not going to get any targets, I mean, to your point, I mean, he played 92% of the snaps, 60. Cameron Bray played 18 snaps, 28%. Austin O'Claire had more I felt snaps like a than most of him. Yeah, I felt like most of his – his play, Cameron Brait was in the red zone, which is it's also kind of frustrating if you're watching that and OJ Howard comes out of the red zone and Cameron Brait's there, and at least Winston like Winston throws to Cameron Brait. He loves Cameron Brait. Yeah, but Cameron Brait's one of those guys that can't block. And this to me, it, it may have been. This is what I'm hoping as a you know, if I'm an OJ Howard owner, this is what I'm hoping is that after week one, Winston spent most of week one running for his life or scrambling for his life, and they decided to keep an extra tight end to give him some time to try to throw the ball a little bit. And I'm hoping at some point they're, when they're facing the Giants is a really good opportunity to see like, hey, we don't need that extra blocker right now because none of the running backs can block at all. None of those guys can stay in on passing downs and, and stay in the backfield and pick up a blitz. They just get run right by and Winston ends up on his back. So they, they decided to use the tight end in that role. Hopefully this week they're like, ah, we're playing the Giants. Their defensive front is, is mediocre. We need to get O.J. Howard, you know, open nice up the field you. for the rest of us. Um, ton more injuries really I mean we we mentioned the Chiefs backs the the Eagles yesterday there was a ton of skilled players that were on the sidelines Alshon Jeffrey only played a handful of snaps Deshaun Jackson same thing hadn't heard about any of these guys Deshaun Jackson had the groin injury in game Jeffrey I have no idea I would assume it was in game as well there was nothing no reports with either of these guys Jeffrey with a calf yeah potentially soft tissue Uh, Michael Gallup headed for an MRI today in the injury we have Devin Singleton Terry hamstring Geist from earlier in the week an injury placed on IR Hunter Henry another injury from him uh pretty frustrating for sure if you're a Henry the concerning thing with Singletary is it, it was non-contact too which usually ends went, up being like not a ham not down. a hamstring yeah yeah, it, yeah he went down they kept saying it was a hamstring injury but he went down and was like grabbing his leg it was it looked like way worse than it you know he reacted way worse than I expected him to um and it makes me think he's that you know even if let's say it is a hamstring injury this, this might be one of those six to eight week ones. And, and Frank Gore is basically all they got there now. Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon. So, um, and, and Gore, when he got a chance yesterday, looked pretty good. He ran right through the middle of the defense and ran over somebody to get in the end zone on a, uh, on a goal line carry. So defense. Yeah, but uh, I, a little bit of the Giants defense, but we've talked about on the show, at least I have before, that Buffalo's offensive line has at least improved a little bit. Two guys that benefited from those injuries, Gore, I mean, 19 carries to your point, Brad. I mean, that's top 10. <laughs> they're going to ring up two. And Chris Jai. Thompson, eight targets. 
<laughs> maybe. And Chris and Chris Thompson, eight targets as well. Out of these backs, like a little sneak preview. I mean, Jake, who's the guy like Carlos Hyde, 20 carries. Frank Gore getting involved. Peyton Barber was was definitely the guy on Thursday night. Chris Thompson. How about the San Fran running backs? There's, there's three of them in the top 13 this week. I agree. We can move on. And then we got the Pittsburgh guys, Darwin no. Thompson. Who, who's the back out of all those? Like, give a little sneak peek of your peek of your waiver wire article. Like, who's the guy that you would you would go and get? Well, first the, the problem is, is there's a lot of assumptions we have to make here, and that's the, that's the real issue. And that's why, hey, you, you know, check the link, check out the waiver column. It's like so. If there is no Devin Single, let's let's assume all these injuries are people not coming back. Like Singletary is out for a significant amount of time. Uh, yeah. Both LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams are out for a significant I still put Darwin Thompson because I want the Damian Williams role. I want the pass-catching running back in the Chiefs offense. I've seen Frank Gore before. If I just... I still can't get excited about somebody that I'm just like, all right, fine, I'll put him in my flex. Because that's what Frank Gore is going to be. He's not going to be facing the Giants every single week. Most are... I'd actually like to get in on, and I actually tweeted this earlier this morning, is that you know the, the Shanahanigans are in full effect because the snap count percentages for the receivers, 51.4 for Goodwin, 48.9 for Pettis, who had zero targets, 45.8 for James, and then 40.3 for Debo. In the running backs, 51.4 for Juszczyk. Mostert was 47.2 with Breida at 29.2 and Wilson at 20.8 because they started bringing Wilson in at the goal line. Of all those, I mean, it looks like yeah. Mostert's the one you got to go with, but I don't trust Shanahan more than I can throw him. And that's the thing is like, as of right now, I'd still put Mostert behind that situation as much as he has more upside as we saw. I'd probably go for the upside versus Frank Gore because I'd rather just chase the upside than somebody that I'm just, again, then I'm like, eh, whatever, I'll start Frank Gore. So I would go Darwin, but then I would put Mostert in front of Frank Gore. Matt Breida was obviously the, the best running back for the, the 49ers yesterday, but at that when they got to the goal line, it was Jeff Wilson. And at least if I'm, if I'm getting a, a second back for a team, I'm at least getting a, a touchdown upside there um, with a team that at least showed a little ability to move the ball yesterday. So... Um, I don't know. That's I, I'd probably take him over Mostert. At the same time, um, you know, it, it's it's a mess. Like I, um, I'm not confident with any of those guys. Carlos Hyde might be the most interesting one. Just the fact that he got 20 rushing attempts in a close game yesterday, um, and and he was actually able to run the ball a little bit against Jacksonville's defense, even though the Texans in, as a whole could not move the ball. They pushed Duke to that third third down roll, which is, you know, what you know. I, I will give you all credit. What you all what, what you all said. Uh, very well could happen. I just did not so see Carlos Hyde being the guy to well, do that. Brad, honestly, we we assume that, but we also didn't assume that he still wouldn't get a pass catch. Like that's that's <laughs> beyond like like that's like how do you put Duke Josh in a third down role and then not get him a recept like that? I just don't understand. I felt like the Texans just don't know what they're doing with him. But I, so I, I got to backtrack a little bit. So I could do Chris, I was talking mainly injuries. Obviously, Carlos Hyde, Chris Thompson would be at the top of this list because these are guys I was talking about picking up last week. So I'm not yeah, saying like oh still, yeah, I agree. They're still available. Surprisingly though, like I think well, and the one Thompson. we didn't talk about obviously James Conner. If James Conner's out, Jalen Samuels is the top pick. But I want to get too excited thinking that. Jalen Samuels is going to be what the Steelers have always been with the 70-80% workload. I think Benny Snell would steal a lot of the short yards, as Brad was talking about earlier. I've said that the entire offseason. I, I, despite the fact Benny Snell is not talented, or very talented in my opinion, I think he's Jordan Howard for the comparison that people want to make. Look at what the Eagles do with Jordan Howard. The Steelers are going to do the same thing with Benny Snell. They're going to use him despite the fact that as you're sitting here saying, why aren't you using Miles Sanders more? Why aren't you using Jalen Samuels more? They're still going to use him because that's what teams seemingly want to do. Yeah, you guys must be surprised Carlos Hyde getting more carries than Duke Johnson. I mean, let's be let's Not be carries. I'm touches. Getting more touches than Duke Johnson surprised me. 
it's certainly puzzling that Duke didn't, you know, catch any balls yesterday. Uh, you, maybe you're right, Jake. They don't know what they're doing there. But anyways, he is still available, owned in fewer than 60% of leagues. There's a lot of running backs you can go to, and there's a lot of just all of a sudden crowded backfields. I mean, Buffalo was one with Gore, and now Singletary looks like he's sidelined a bit. We saw Chris Carson get the majority of the looks, but he put the ball on the ground twice. They didn't credit that second fumble, but really that seemed like it was on him, and, and Penny was getting more involved. I don't know if Carson gets scaled back just slightly a little bit. And then there's Denver, I thought was pretty appealing too. You're just looking at those guys. I don't think any of us were on Philip Lindsay at all, really, as as a guy who could, you know, duplicate last year's numbers. But Royce Freeman just looked better yesterday on the ground. And my big takeaway was, yeah, that Lindsay got seven targets and four catches, but Royce Freeman also got seven targets and five catches. That was the most Is interesting. This... Yeah, that was the most interesting thing to me. Is Freeman now just leapfrogged him he's he's the guy well it's what we kind of talked about was the concern for this year is that it was going to be a 55 45 type of split with freeman being the lead and still phil, phil, phil Lindsay had a bad game against the bears he's still in ppr and half point ppr was a fine play i mean you're still talking about four receptions for 30 yards on top of 36 rushing 66 but is that cap going to go the other way like is it going to become like 60 40 70 30 now no, I don't know why UPS needs to bang on the door seven times to drop something off. But anyway, uh, and <laughs> continuing, uh, look, it's not that bad of a day where even if it is 60-40 going forward, it's never, it's not going to, like, Freeman's not going to start being 70%. He's not going to be 75%. So I'm not that concerned. I think Philip Lindsay in a half point and full point PPR has value. And in that format, I'd even consider buying low because to your point, it's like a lot of people are coming out of this week going, oh my God, what's wrong with Philip Lindsay? Uh, on the flip side, since we're just talking about this game, I think you have to feel really good about David Montgomery, despite only 3.4 yards for carry. It's the 18 carries. They like, oh, what a surprise! We drafted this guy and should have used him this way in week one. Yeah, so I, I, I love the idea of buying low on Lindsey. I watched some of this game, especially it was it was shown a lot in the second half of the day on the Red Zone channel, and Lindsey was the guy down the stretch that they were just going to nonstop when they were you know trying to move the ball. They had you know third goal or third down fourth down um get him the ball in space and try to let something happen and and i'm very confident if you can get him as a buy low right now i would do it because i do think that they they showed a lot of reliability in him um you know if you're a royce freeman owner i think you got to be at least excited that they're starting to use him a little bit because that's something we haven't seen in two years um but but i still think Lindsay is going to be the primary guy here and you know maybe in like a 60 40 split it's amazing how quickly things change, right? I mean, we were all not really feeling Lindsay's draft price, and now that the fact that he's kind of been mediocre and now nobody wants him, we can go and buy low. It's just things change so quickly in fantasy. Oh, but I think you should be, yeah, you should be thrilled if you're a Royce Freeman owner. I would be. I mean, you got him pretty late, and he's starting to get some work in the passing game. I think that's pretty encouraging. And I also agree with you, Jake. Uh, positive news for David Montgomery. I mean, at least finishing in the top ten in in targets or in in carries rather, and just getting more involved. And and Davis was was a non factor yeah, they, they also in the opening game they got saved from their own stupidity though which is kind of i mean that's it's good <laughs> and bad at the same time because when they got down to the goal line they run david montgomery up the gut they run him up the gut third down they bring in mike davis and I'm like are you freaking kidding me and then yeah. there's a penalty that gave him a whole new first down and they went back to david montgomery up the gut again and but he scored that time <laughs> Some some crazy finishes yesterday. I mean, Jacksonville going for two and and not getting it with Fournette, and then the Broncos originally wanting to go for two, and then the penalty and the missed kick, and then getting another chance and going for two, and then great. Chicago coming all the way back in that game. There's some, yeah, been some cool finishes. Field goal to win How, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. the Bears won on a field goal. 
mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's yeah, we were talking out. the buddies i was watching the game with were like man if he makes this they might build a statue in chicago because <laughs> they've they just desperately needed a kicker ever since um you know they it, i mean who was the last good kicker there i mean they they just haven't had one i know jake doesn't even know who the kickers are because he's robbie gold so yeah, I was gonna say Robbie Gold. I mean, they should have just kept him. I mean, I, mean, I know who gold. most of them yeah. are. I just don't yeah. put any thought or process into them. Was, my buddy's a Bears fan. He was like unbanned kickers. I'm like, no, because if the offense would have done their job before that point, you would have never even had to get to that point. If the Bears defense would have done their job, you would have never had to protect. You would have come back. You would have been protecting the lead. So do your job, and we don't need kickers. Yeah, yeah. Th- this I, one was I, shocking to me that they went for two because they were at home. Like, you have a chance to tie the game at home, then, you know, that's different. The, the Jaguars were on the road. Think about Gardner Minshew as that's the quarterback. What, and they were like, saying, I like that play. I yeah, thought it was I liked awesome. It. And they were, were on the I mean, road they were and you two can't inches. They were two inches from winning that game. I mean, Fournette was on the goal line and just couldn't get the ball across. So, so I, I got to tell Chris this. He doesn't know yet. So we're doing a pentathlon, and one of the five areas is Survivor. And I forgot to check it from way back on like Wednesday, and we accidentally had Houston still as our pick. Um, oh so, man! Yes, yeah, so I was God, sweating I the living heck out of that one. <laughs> uh, I'd have been so mad at you. <laughs> uh, well, because look at it like, this way. look at it this way, we got a now Houston you've used pick the Texans out of the way. And you won. Yes, <laughs> yeah, g- yeah, good call. It's just, and, and be- we won't get into this too much. But Best on the Board is another show that you can, you know, hear at the Athletic and with myself and Michael Beller, and we just like have that little debate. Like we're just kind of feeling each other out a little bit because we haven't done it too many shows. But I'm just like, no, <laughs> no division games. Like, imagine Chris, being knocked out of Survivor Week Two and not picking New England and Kansas City. No, Chris. Ten minutes into the game, I was sitting here with my buddies, and I went. Shh! And I ran over to the computer, and I was like, oh, my God, I still have the Texans. <laughs> oh, wow. So I, I'm glad you didn't tell me that because, yeah, I, I would have been sweating that out for sure. Hopefully everybody has moved on to Survivor and you haven't been knocked out from picking a team like Carolina or, I don't know, there wasn't really any upsets week one. Maybe you, no, picked, was a good maybe one. you got on the was high good. horse Actually, I went, I went nutsy kind of. I went Houston, Seattle, and New England. So Houston, Seattle were both kind of like, I feel good oh. because I got the risky ones out of the way. I'm kind of feeling fun here. Yeah, for sure. Seattle and Philly for me in New England. Before we get out of here, we we have to bring up Josh Jacobs in round one. Fight! All right, go. Um, no, like, I just, for me, and I, I want to just get out my thoughts first before you guys, you know, you guys go at it. And I know what both of you guys are going to say. And, and, you know, we don't have to spend too much time. But there was a big question heading into this into this game, I thought. Because all of the workload in week one went to Jacobs. We talked about that. It was great. Uh, he only caught one pass, but he got all the goal line work. It looks like they're going to feed him the ball. And then we were talking before we get into this week and a potential shootout, at least from Kansas City side, they're going to be forced to throw the ball. So we were going to learn a little bit about Jacobs. And if he was going to get five or six catches in the, out of the backfield, then he was probably on his way to being a, a top five running back. Let's be honest. If he's going to get all that kind of work, but that didn't go his way. Uh, he, so he's played 70 snaps in two weeks, didn't catch a ball, didn't really, I don't think he didn't even have a target yesterday. And it's not like Jalen Richard and, and Washington, DeAndre Washington did a whole lot, but at least they were, they were actually on the field catching passes towards the end. So should I go to brad first or jake let's go to brad first and then jake can okay. defend himself brad this is what you expected you said is. this numerous and, times and it's not that there's anything wrong with jacobs he is a solid rb2 but you you wished as an owner he would have got some work in the passing game right it, it, just something because they completely went away from him he had like 10 carries in the first half and he had two in the second half and I, I, you know, I mentioned this to Jake and I understand the argument against it, but if you literally take away the one fifty-one yard run that he had, that was a, that's a game where you walk away from it and you're like, 
oh my gosh, he in if this is what the Raiders are going to be going forward, and the Chiefs, I will say this, the Chiefs are a terrible tackling team. They like they I'm I've watched them two weeks now, watched every single play, and I'm I don't have no idea how they're going to beat New England at any point this year because they can't tackle. And at some point that has to improve. We're gonna find out later in the year when they go to Foxborough to see if they can do that. Cause I still think there's a really good chance these two are going to collide at some point in the season, you know, for, you know, and and that game might determine home field advantage, who knows, depending on how the Baltimore stuff goes. So it's, but it was a scenario where we knew the Raiders were going to be playing from behind at some point in this game. And and then at that point, it was a chance to uh, get a glimpse into what are they thinking? And Josh Jacobs was completely irrelevant from that point on in the game. And, and that's what concerns me going forward because they will be underdogs in, in like 11 of their, of their 14 remaining games, if not more. So um, they're, there's a chance that if they don't get him involved more, if they don't modify their 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 plan a little bit to say, look, we've got to get this guy involved more, they completely at that point, once the Chiefs scored those four touchdowns, it was all Darren Waller at that point. They weren't throwing to anybody else. It was just Darren Waller, Darren Waller, Darren Waller. Jake? Brad, right. I, I right off the top. <laughs> I thought you were better than that, man. Come on. The take the play away. Guess what? If you take the 42-yard touchdown away from Michael Harmy, you had three catches for 19 yards. You, I, you can't do the take the play away thing. Look, I understand your concern about the workload when they're down, and that's look, obviously, but don't don't include the take the play away. I will never acknowledge that as a valid argument on anything because you can't. You can't take part of that game, part of that player, part of the upside is those type of plays. So, yes, the usage was down with only the two carries. I will 100% admit that. The problem is, is I don't have a problem going forward is because Josh Jacobs can do more than most because I'll even throw an argument back at you is the argument on Damian Williams, what you were just making a few weeks ago when I cooled off and said he was an RB2 and Chris has already been on the other side. As you said, to us, he only needs 13 to 15 touches per game to be an RB1. Well, Josh Jacobs has 12 and then obviously wasn't using the passing game. I think that changes a little bit. I don't think it gets left out completely. And you're warranted. You're 100% right in your concern of only the two carries when they were down. I just don't think that's going to be that significant going forward. And on the flip side, again, I am never going to acknowledge take a play away as an argument for anything. And that that's fair. I understand. I completely understand. It's different to me for a wide receiver when you say take a big play away because that, that's, that can be a little more... Uh, the, the higher probability is that a wide receiver gets a big play compared to a running back. Um, that being said, it... it it that 51 yard run was real early in the second half while they were down 28 to 10 that happened and like the crowd started getting back into the game and then they he just vanished at that point well take away Dalvin Cook's 75 yard run for a touchdown then he has 19 carries for 80 yards or something like that like I'm just saying like that's that's why I'll never I'll never like you could just basically say you know popcorn is amazingly tasting and that's why he's a good running back like i'm just right but i'm not saying he doesn't have the capability to do it what concerned me is that he did he had that play and then he they stopped using him and it's like wait a second he you just so you just saw some explosion you saw a big play out of a guy gets the crowd back in the game and then you decide we're not going to use him anymore and that's why i didn't understand and what why i'm concerned going forward that if they're down and all they see is the scoreboard it's going to be this this darren waller target fest it's going to be tyrell williams trying to get them back in the game it's not going to be josh jacobs because they don't see him in that role they had Jalen richard in there a lot of the second half even if he wasn't getting a lot of targets that's who was in the backfield 
So it's, well, two things is one is I'm believing and maybe I'm stupid, but I'm believing that they're, they're seeing the same things we're talking about right now and coming out of that game and being like, yeah, hey, you know what? That was a dumb move. Like that was part of the reason we didn't score for the rest of the game is we got away from what worked for us. The other flip side of it, as I'm going to mention this is I'm looking at their schedule. I don't have to worry about this till December 1st because Vikings, Colts, Bears, Packers, Texans, Lions, Chargers, Bengals, Jets, nobody's putting up 28 and a quarter on them out of that entire stretch. And if anything, you talk about a lot of those teams, you're talking about defenses and flows and staying in the mix. Like there's a lot of quote unquote game scripts you can look at going forward and saying this looks good for Josh Jacobs. See, I disagree. I, I disagree. Too. I actually think the Vikings, Colts, and Bears are are teams that I don't want to. I wouldn't want to start him against. Or I wouldn't feel confident starting him against because of those. Oh, I have no problem. Like, no. Well, the thing is, you're starting him. I you're starting him anyways. Like, listen, we were talking about he has one catch in two games. He's RB six on the season, like right now, like he, without even getting that work in the in the passing game. And I I also agree with Jake here too that they'll probably look and be like. You know, maybe we just shouldn't give Jalen Richard 31% of the snaps or, or DeAndre Washington 23% of the snaps, which was the case mediocre. yesterday, and Jacobs is getting 46 Yeah, because those guys are nothing special. So I think Richard will probably have a role in this team in, in those situations that you're talking about, Brad. But I think for the most part, um, Jacobs is still going to be the guy. It's just we're not – there's only a handful of true bell cow backs in the league, and he's just not going to be one of them this season. There you go. Before mean... we get out of here, let me give you guys a question. Yeah. You can answer a Twitter question for me since I hate him. <laughs> especially with his trade questions you guys can ask because it, it ties into the show i think this is a good one all right, we're, all right we'll get out of here yeah we're this. talking about the saints i just got this here i'll even from shmore 320 all right shmore here you get your question answered by brad and chris would you trade camara for hopkins and melvin gordon in the keeper league heck yes give me hopkins i take a wide receiver over running back any day well, that's what i was about to say so let me change the question to would you guys trade camara for hopkins today with the drew Brees news wouldn't i think we'd all not, do that not, i would i would not in a keeper league um i would really? in, a, in a redraft yeah just because would, those, those I, top you can wide receiver in a keeper league yeah and, and, and like, on top of that I think, drew, I think drew Brees might be done i already thought he could potentially walk out if they won the super bowl let alone that's is like this is his first multi-game injury situation where like i just kind of feel like this might be it for Brees. It's it possible. I, I just think yeah. I think the wear and tear on Kamara is so low because he's never been like a high volume guy that I just think he's going to be really good for for six or eight years. Whereas and I'm not saying Hopkins isn't I'm not saying that at all. But it's, it is so much easier to me when you can get guys like a Chris Godwin or a DJ Moore that might put up the same week that Hopkins does. Maybe not on an every week basis, but on, on a on a individual game basis. Whereas it's it's way harder to find a running back that's going to get the 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 touches and the volume and the the explosiveness that Kamara has, you don't you don't find that in the fourth round where you can get receivers in the fourth round. I I if I have a chance to get one of those top five running backs in a keeper league, that's a lot different to me than getting a top five receiver because I feel like there are other receivers that are are likely to take that jump up there, and none of the running backs I am confident in being one of those guys. Yeah, I'm with All right. yeah, well, Hopkins. I, I would always take the I take the wide out in Keeper League's Dynasty League. I, I would take the wide out any day. Um, the shelf life, like, look, at last year I had Todd Gurley in a Dynasty League, and, yeah, he found the end zone yesterday, but I don't love his future outlook. Like, I'd much rather have uh, a stud like DeAndre Hopkins. I lied. Let's get out of here on this. Cleveland wins tonight, Brad? Uh, no, I'm going to take the Jets. I, I, oh, baby. Yeah, I, Cleveland 0-2. Oh but wait, wait. This you know is, who's this that quarterback, if, right? If, I will say, yeah, I will say if Sam Darnold was quarterbacking, I would feel a lot better. Um, I think this is actually going to be the Le'Veon Bell show. They Like, if he's healthy at all, like, I know they have the shoulder thing. 
I think there he's he could see 30 35 touches tonight and and I just didn't like anything of what I saw out of Cleveland trying to stop Derrick Henry the first week and Le'Veon Bell is better than Derrick Henry so I I think there's a really good chance to just control this game a little bit their defense is really good um and, and I like I, I don't know we're we're I think we're gonna see something out of Cleveland tonight tonight do they make any adjustments and become a better team offensively or is it the same as the week before and if it's the same as the week before they might get run out of this game so everybody out there probably wants to root for that to happen because i will tell you what if the jets win this game i will start wednesday shows with game on brad ziggler is a genius everybody <laughs> because there is no way on earth this is happening because trevor simeon makes cam newton look like a big game thrower all of a sudden like stop it's trevor simeon stop Cam Newton, aka Joe Flacco. Yeah, I, I mean, Jake, I'm, I'm not a fan It's not that. I just if, love Le'Veon Bell had, this week. <laughs> yeah. it, sure. If you had Bell, Jake, you know, those sneaky little Monday pickups, would you go and grab Ty Montgomery in case? Like, he had the shoulder, the MRI, he's fine. He's I should have done that but, I mean, if he, in general. And the biggest yeah. thing is, like, so you you brought up Pat Mayo earlier. The thing he always talks about is Yahoo is one of the few sites that does it. Is oh, I love it. Thursday yeah. games, you know, you pick up anybody that, you know, is potential handcuffed, stash them on your bench. If they get hurt, you got a gem. If not, you drop them for Sunday. Do the same thing on Sunday. You pick up a backup option and, you know, in case somebody gets hurt, which would have paid off. Like, maybe you went and grabbed Darwin Thompson. But if you didn't and grabbed the wrong team, you know, you went and grabbed Wayne Gallman. Saquon Barkley comes out fine. You do it, run the course again on Monday. There's a few sites that let you, if they're not in your starting lineup, you can drop them off your roster still. And if so, that is you need to be doing that. He is Jake Seeley. Give him a follow. All in kid. Brad Ziegler at Brad Ziegler. Myself at Chris Meany. We keep it simple for you guys. Theathletic.com slash the throwback. 40% off. You'll get all the goods. Jake's article is coming out. You can see that Tuesday morning at The Athletic. You can have a chat, exclusive chats every single day, fantasy chats, and updated rankings. All the goods right there for you. 40% off. Bloodbath, guys. It really was a lot of injuries. Enjoy the football game tonight. Hopefully you don't see another quarterback go down. We'll catch you on Wednesday. Hey there, listeners. We're excited to share some pretty big news. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wandery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead that I know you'll love. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast that will cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kathiva Davidson and Anders Kelto will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. And be sure to check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read stories featured on The Lead. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he knocks it down! 
stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. We gotta go faster, faster! Go beyond the box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. I have never seen anything like that. The Lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The Lead. Sports up close.